we're going to continue on in this series that we've been on for quite some time. And it comes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, the title of the message is Born Again or Just Wet Living. Is that a little bit better? I sound like a little ring. Is that a little bit better? Can anybody hear me good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, good. Jake says we're good, we're good. So today I will tell you something that's been stirring up in my heart for quite some time is this whole concept of being born again. Okay, because if you've been in church any time, uh, you've you've heard the terminology of giving your heart to Jesus Christ. I mean, how many how many have heard? Okay, you got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You know, you turn from your you turn from your sin, your sins and you turn toward God. We've all heard that terminology, but I want us to think about what Christ said, and we'll be in John three verses one through twenty one just a moment, but. Those phrases can be a whole lot easier to to really explain, I reckon, what transformation happens within a person, you know, when you when we talk about accepting Jesus Christ. Because if I were to tell you, and I, I look over here at baby Hallie over here, who's just been born. When was she born, guys? Four months, three months ago, three months ago. If we're saying you got to be born again, automatically our minds go to a to a child, right? It goes to like a little baby. So I want us to start thinking about that because the main reason why I, I sort of bring this up is the difference between legalism and grace. Okay, and I'm not saying that those terms that we use are wrong, as far as accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Um, And I'm not discounting. I'm not sure where we came up with the terminology in church. You know, I don't know if it was the Billy Graham movement or the Billy Sunday movement or whatever it was that started that terminology. But I think there's a little bit deeper. And I'll explain to you my position in that. And I'm not saying I'm 100% right, that those those are wrong, wrong words that we say. But I think it's just a way that we try to explain the unexplainable. And truly, being born again is very hard to explain. Matter of fact, it's it's almost unexplainable. We'll get into that in just a moment. Let's look at legalism. Okay, legalism, when I'm talking about legalist, I'm talking about morality. You know, things that you do, things that you do that you think that that will draw you closer to God. Okay. Legalism, the supreme force or motivation behind legalists and in, in relationship with God or, you know, um, you know, getting in touch with God is, is you. I mean, you, a legalist says, hey, if you do these things that are morally right, it puts you closer to God. Okay? The brunt of the responsibility has nothing to do with God, but it has everything to do with you. Max Lucado describes it perfectly. He says, legalism is slow torture. It suffocates the spirit and it can kill or amputate one's dreams. And I love what he said here. He said, legalism is just enough religion to keep you, but not enough to nourish you. Now think of that for a moment. Legalism is just enough religion to keep you. And notice he didn't say relationship. He said religion. 
It's just enough religion to keep you, but not enough to nourish you. Because see, here's the deal. The truth about it is legalism really doesn't need God. I, I know plenty of moral people who are really great people, but they don't know Jesus Christ from Adam's house cat. They have no clue. But they are morally great people. They're good as gold. They'll give you what? The shirt off their back. Well, if you think about legalism, it's the search for innocence and not forgiveness. You know, our relationship with Christ is built on forgiveness. But see, a legalist looks for innocence. How many of you know a criminal that's been incarcerated? How many of you know? I've known plenty of them. I've, even people in my own family have been in jail. And I very rarely, very rarely have found one who is what? Guilty. All of them are innocent, right? You know, everybody. I think what really confuses me is that, okay, Nate, you're in law enforcement. So, is it true that someone is innocent until proven guilty? Okay, he says, yeah. Why are they in jail then, Nate? <laughs> That's my question. Okay, if somebody is truly innocent, then why are they in jail? I mean, if you think about that for a moment. Our legalism, our, our legal system says that someone is truly innocent until they're proven guilty, but yet they're behind bars. Think about that for just a moment. Well, see, that's the way a legalist looks at spirituality is they want to be innocent. And they think that they're innocent when all the while, no, they're not. They're guilty of sin. Okay? Legalists are obsessed with their self and not with God. Let's look in John 3. And it says this, and there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are what? Born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God now. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, hey, you, Nicodemus, unless you accept me as your Lord and Savior. He didn't say that, right? He didn't say, hey, Nicodemus, unless you accept me into your heart. He didn't say that, did he, right? He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And let me, I'll fill this all in. That word's not just for Nicodemus, it's for all of us. Unless we are born again, We'll never see the kingdom of God. What, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man, if I'm, I consider myself middle-aged man, not necessarily an old man. How can I go back into my mother's womb and to be born again? Right, it's impossible. Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when <clears throat> when I say you must be born again. And I will tell you, this verse right here, you need to hang on to. 
If you know Jesus Christ and you've been born again and you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to sum this up at the very end. So you'll know when to wake up and when my message is about to conclude, you'll know I'll go back to this verse. That's just sort of a preview, okay? Please don't go to sleep because you're messing my message. I see y'all sleeping out there. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Well, Jesus replied, he said, you're a respected Jewish teacher. Now look, Nicodemus ain't no flunky, y'all. Okay, this guy's been in church and he knows the law. Okay, he ain't stupid. And yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For, and of course, y- y'all should know this verse, right? John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into this world not to judge the world but to save it through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in Christ has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact that God's light came into the world, but the people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they are doing, what God wants. Okay, so now, what does it mean to be born again? Okay, anybody want to tackle that? Anyone? Bueller? You didn't watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Bueller? Bueller? Anybody? It's a tough one. It is tough for us to try to explain the unexplained. So I'm going to give him my best shot, okay? And this is like a lot of markology, okay? This is, I, I'm a simple mind, simple product type guy. So I'm going to try to dumb it down to where I understand it. Okay, <clears throat> in Genesis, God said what? Let's make man in whose image? God's image, that's right. Make it in our image. He said, make man in our image, Okay, so our image to me, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, for me, this is a physical body. This is a physical body. Up here is my mind, my will, my emotions. And then there's a third part of me that is my spirit that will live forever. Okay, that goes back to God. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says that, you know, our spirits were with God and they will be returned to God. So here's me. Here's the way I think. This physical body is going to die, right? This thing will not live forever, praise God. Okay? It ain't going to live forever. So when that happens, of course, what's going to happen is my mind's going to die with it. So the only thing left is what? The spirit. The Spirit is what is going to be in heaven. 
And see, that's the part, that's the part that the Holy Spirit has to become one with. Okay? It's almost like a marriage in my mind. When Becky and I, when we made the decision to marry, we became one flesh. Okay? And in my mind, that's about the, about the best way I can explain salvation and being born again is when your human spirit unites with God's Holy Spirit and he dwells within you. And he comes and like for me in my, in my household, there's sort of like a threshold of just say money to spend. If we, if we spend, I don't know if say 200 or $250, trust me, I'm going to consult my wife. Okay, I'm not just going to go blow $500. I've done it before and it didn't work out very well. So I will go and consult my wife. It's not like I'm asking permission, but I'm, I'm considering her. Okay, because that's what I feel like I need to do because we're one flesh. Well, likewise, when I make decisions... Regardless of whether it's a, what I would determine as a spiritual decision or just a life decision, I consult the Holy Spirit and say, okay, God, is this something that I need to do? Or is this a decision that I need to make? You know, and I'll look at all the ramifications of it. And some of those decisions, you know what, to be honest with you, they take people off. Because I have to give an account to God what decision I make. In regards of what you may think of Mark White and our relationship, I hate to tell you, but my relationship with God is more important. And I know his ways are more and higher than my ways. And so a lot of times, you know, I'm going to consult the Holy Spirit and say, hey, is this something that I need to do? Well, see, that's the part to me that is born again. And we were talking about this morning in our class. <clears throat> I don't know about you guys, but when I got saved, I got saved when I was about 12 years old. And I went to a Gary Davis concert at First Baptist Church. And that was when contemporary Christian music was just coming on the scene. <clears throat> okay, it wasn't a lot of, we, we pretty much did old hymns and stuff like that. And so you started seeing a transition in the church, to, especially in our music, as far as contemporary Christian music. And so my mom and dad, of course, they made me go. I really didn't want to go. Uh, it was on a Thursday night. I'll never forget it. It was on a Thursday night. And so I went to the concert, and I listened to what Gary was singing about. And, and, and I don't even know if the guy ever made it, to be honest with you. I, I have no clue. Because I never heard, him, heard of him after that, to be honest with you. But I'm telling you, something changed in my spirit. And it began me, it made me question, okay, what, what does it mean to be saved? What is this whole, there's something missing in my life. And so I went home and, and I, my mom, she had gotten her bath and she'd come out and gotten dressed and everything else. And I, I talked to my mom. I said, mom, what does it mean to be saved? You know, what does it mean to accept Christ? And so she, she proceeded to tell me, and I said, I think that's what God is trying to tell me. I think, I think God wants me to be his. And so, you know, we, we kneeled down right there at her bed, and she led me to the Lord and, and t- told me how to pray. And, you know, I prayed. And I can tell you, I can't explain it. I literally cannot explain what happened. But I can tell you, 
I felt a peace. And I felt like for some reason, even though I was at home and in, my, in the safest place in our house, which is my parents' bedroom, I felt I was at home in my spirit. And I, and I didn't even know what a spirit was back then. I had no clue. But I just felt a peace come over me like, man, I'm at home. Well, to me, that was my born-again moment. You know, but just like Hallie, baby Hallie, that's, if, if I could, I, I may have had a 12-year-old body, and various of you guys, you guys have, may have come to saving knowledge of Jesus at an early, early age, but some of you may have been 40, 50 years old. But see, if, if you're looking at baby Hallie, spiritually, that's what you are. That's, that's what I was at 12 years old. I was, I was ignorant. I didn't know what it meant to be born again. I had no clue. You know, I knew church was a good thing to do. <laughs> it was something I was made to do. But I also knew there was something different. Now, when it talks about in verse 5, <clears throat> being born of the water, here's what I believe. I believe God is talking about baptism. Okay? And to me, that's our public profession of faith. Okay? You know, we do it all the time. <clears throat> we come up, we fill up the, the pool. People come up who have led someone to Christ or maybe a family member. We, we, we go down into the water, full submerging, submersion, and then we, uh, we're buried in Christ. The significance is we're buried in Christ, washing our sins away. We're raising up a new creature, and, um, and our sins are washed away. That's just a symbolism, okay? If baptism doesn't save you, okay? It just, doesn't, it just doesn't do it, okay? Tell the thief on the cross how it worked out for him. He didn't, get, he didn't have time to be baptized. <laughs> I don't know how that figures in our theology, but, you know, he didn't have time to be baptized, but God told him he's going to be in paradise. But I think it's a transformation within our spirit that happens. I'll tell you a story. I started out telling you about my salvation experience. Well, when, when I got saved and... Uh, went probably, I don't know, three or four weeks later, I was baptized at church. <clears throat> well, a friend of mine, he was a couple of years older than me. Um, he played in the church orchestra, and Robert may remember him. I don't know, because Robert was up there at the time, I think. Um, I think he wrote there, Robert. I'm sorry. I may be thinking about somebody else. But anyway, this guy played the trombone. His name was Todd. Okay? And Todd... Um, Went forward. See, back in back in those days, you know, the preacher would stand up here, and you would come up here and say, "Hey, yeah, I'd like to accept Jesus Christ or join the church or whatever terminology it was." <clears throat> and Todd did the exact same thing. And so, where I had accepted Christ that Thursday with my mom, um, I did go forward that following Sunday and made like a public profession of faith or whatever. And so, Todd he he did the exact same thing, and we got baptized at the same time. Well, you know, in my mind, I knew, I knew what had happened. I knew that I was born again. I knew something was different. Something changed within Mark White. Well, Todd moved away. Okay, Todd moved away and he went back up, I think, to Maryland. And uh, was gone probably about three years, maybe three, or so, three years or so. And when he came back, we, our church had went through a big, trans, uh, big transformation. A uh, pastor had left, and then we got a new, a new pastor who was actually Clay Waltrip. It was in 1991. I'll never forget it. And who Clay is still up there today. And Clay um, was just a young guy, and so we could relate to him. 
And so Todd and my cousin actually came over to my house. And they were uh, swimming. And so I told Todd, I said, man, you ought to come back to church. I said, man, we got a new pastor. And, um, man, he's pretty cool. He's easy to understand and everything else. And he's like, and I'll tell you how, this is how naive I was. He says, well, I'm an atheist. I said, hey, I said, where you go to church at then? He's like, I don't believe in God. Mark, what are you talking about? Atheists don't believe in God. I never even heard that terminology. That's how sheltered I was. And so uh, when he told me that, I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, it, it, it literally did not even come up on my radar, you know, because I couldn't fathom it. Because I knew what had happened in my life. And this guy's telling me that he don't believe in God. Well, that's malarkey. <laughs> it, it, it didn't, it didn't, it, it was never on my radar. And it really shocked me. I would keep on at him, keep on at him. You know, I'd see him here and I mean, you need, I'm telling you, dude, you need to try to come back to church and stuff. And, um, and of course he just blew me off. Well, it just so happened that on a Sunday morning, had he been in church, he would have never got hit by that train. And he got hit by that train, was not unconscious, and about four days later, I think it was, he passed away. And, um, and so I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I hope he was born to smoke up my rear end, to be honest with you. I really do. I really hope and pray that he was, he was not an atheist. But the sad reality of it is that's what he professed. So that's probably what he was. And unfortunately, he's been in hell for now probably about 30 years. And guess what? He's got another eternity to go. And I can promise you, I can promise you he's hearing this message. And I can promise you he's begging you. If you don't know Christ, if you're not born again, what Mark is telling you is true. It is worth it. Be saved. Be born again. So, being born again of the Spirit is like baby Hallie. Now, Jeremy and Ashley, I won't pick on them because I know them pretty well. So, when baby Hallie, when she was born, what was the first thing that she had to learn to do? What was it? Eat. That's right. Yeah. You don't have to teach them how to breathe. Once that, once that baby, once that doctor smacks them on the rear end or shoves that thing down their throat and suction them out, and then they, they, trust me, they're going to breathe. You ain't got to tell them how to breathe. You ain't got to tell them how to cry because they're they going to let you know they're going to cry. And you ain't got to tell them how to do the other thing. But the first thing they got to learn is how to, how to what? They got to learn how to eat. Well, guess what? As a born-again believer, guess what you got to do? Now, you just like this baby. Now, you may be a grown man or a grown woman, but you got to learn how to eat. And guess what? There's a different menu of food that you got. There's a totally different menu of food that you got as a born-again believer. Do you know that? Now, if you look at baby Hallie, so she learned how to eat. Now, what would be the next thing she's probably got to learn how to do, guys? I'm putting them on the spot. I know I'm, I'm probably just embarrassing them to death. But what's the next thing? That, and, and Mama and Papa or Grandma and Grammy, whatever you call you can help them out because y'all have had experience. So after she learns how to eat, what, what's the next step probably? You ain't made that far. So Angie, what's, what's the next step? Yeah, they got to learn how to walk. That's right. They'll, they'll learn how to walk. What else they going to learn? How to, what else she going to learn how to do? 
That's right, she's a girl. She's going to learn how to talk. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me, she's going to learn how to talk. And she ain't going to stop talking, you know. <laughs> what else? What else? Okay, so she's learned how to eat. She learns how to walk. She's going to learn how to talk. Is there anything else she's probably got to learn how to do? <clears throat> what was that? Turkey hunt? Yeah. Well, I don't know how I can turn that into biblical stuff, but anyway, she Dean can teach you how to turkey hunt. Okay, when you think about being born again, all those things are exactly the same thing. Okay? You got to learn how to eat. Okay? You truly do. You got to learn how to eat. Now, we're going to turn to Matthew 4. Okay? Matthew 4, and it's not going to be on the screen. Okay? Matthew 4 is when Christ was being tempted. He was led out into the wilderness. We in verse 1 in Matthew chapter 4. And it says this, says, And Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He ate nothing. He absolutely ate nothing. But notice, notice when the, when the fasting and praying was done, it's very simple. He became hungry. Then the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, change these stones into loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, says, no, the scripture says people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word that comes out of the mouth of God, which is, of course, is God's word. So here's the deal. When you're born again, guess what? Here's your menu. Here's your food. Okay. And the cool thing about this food is it's, it's not the same. You know, how many of you eat the same thing every day? How many of you eat the same thing every day? I don't eat the same thing every day, you know. Now, generally for breakfast, I eat Pop-Tart pretty pretty much every day. Strawberry Pop-Tarts. I love strawberry Pop-Tarts. But sometimes I want a little change. You know, sometimes I want a little eggs and bacon toast or something. This This word, the word of God is just like that. It will minister to you and will grow you and nourish you at various situations in your life if i look across here from krista all the way to here to ronnie and anywhere in between let me tell you something every one of you are dealing with different things in your life it may be your finances it may be your marriage it may be your children it could be your job anything the word of god can address any and every situation okay so first off that's where you got to learn where the bread is okay Next thing is, is you got to learn about what, how to talk, okay? There's a different language that you and I have as born-again believers. In Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give you grace I'm sorry, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Donnie has a perfect thing to say when, when it talks about people who uh, like to use a lot of profanity and stuff. Didn't you say they're ignorant? Is that what you said? Oh, mentally lazy, that's right. You're mentally lazy. You're mentally lazy. And what he, what he expressed by that, the explanation behind that is you're not thinking before you speak. You know, you're just letting it plow, you know. It's almost like diarrhea of the mouth. It's like, you know, it's not a good thing if you're a born-again believer. A born-again believer 
should not get should not get diarrhea of the mouth. Okay, seriously, I mean, your words are to be good words, should be encouraging words, and should be Christ words. A born again believer has um, a di- not only a different menu, different food, a different language, but we also have different thought pattern. If you go back to Matthew 4, <clears throat> and we'll look at verses 5 through 7, it says this. Matthew 4, 5 through 7 says, Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scripture says, He orders his angels to protect you, and they will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. See, let me tell you something. You think the devil don't know the Word of God? Man, he absolutely knows the Word of God, and he will try to trick us and make us stumble with the Word of God sometimes. Sometimes you have to look at the motivation because then it turns around and Jesus says, hey, hold on. Before any of that, the scriptures also says, do not test the Lord your God. Do not test the Lord your God. Now, not that Satan was telling anything contrary to scripture, right? But what was the motivation? What was, what was the enemy's motivation? Because let me tell you, it may have been nothing, nothing that he was saying wrong to, to Christ because he was using God's word, right? But imagine being Christ being on the cross at his absolute lowest point when he is, when death is coming. You don't think the enemy would say, hey, look here, man. You done done this before. You know, you, just call the angels to come down and get you. It ain't worth it, dude. It's not worth it. But all of our salvation depends on Jesus finishing what he started, right? So you have to be wise to rightly divide the word of God and to know truth, but also look at the motivation behind that truth. And lastly, baby Hallie, probably one of the last things she'll learn, which will come to be about a year old, is to learn how to walk. And when, if you go back, and let's look at verses 8 through 10, it says this. Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the nations of the, all the nations of the world and all of their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will only kneel down and worship me. And I like the, the, the New Living Translation, what Jesus said, get out of here, Satan. <laughs> get out of here. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so when you think about that, what does your walk say who you worship? If you think about your people are possibly watching your walk, and really it's just your walk between you and the Lord, who does it say that you worship? Do you worship your job? Do you worship money? Do you worship possession? Is it your, is it your spouse? Is it a girlfriend or boyfriend or experiences? You know, even children can be, can be that. Um, but let me tell you, if, and I think it was Steve that kind of gave me this illustration. And I, and I love it because it's very, like I say, for me, I can visualize it. If I've got a throne room in my life and I've got a throne in my life, 
And if I put anything other than Jesus Christ on that throne, then it's idolatry. It's wrong. Now, it could be my job, and I could put my, my job on, on there and worship my job, and it's easy to do because I spend a lot of time working, you know. But even in my work, Jesus started being on that throne in my life. In my relationship with my wife or my family, you know, Jesus ought to be on the throne of my life. So what does our walk say about us? Um, being born again is not done by your power, okay? And it's not done by your merit, and it's not done by your effort. You know, when you think about salvation, that's God's business. Grace is his work. Guess what? It's his idea. And it was done at his expense. Um, the cool thing is, I believe that he offers it to everyone. And anyone he, he chooses to, when he chooses. I can't explain. Me and Becky were talking on our walk this morning. It's hard to fathom people that we talk to. seems like any time we see them about the Lord, because we know that the condition that they're in... And they'll go years and never come to, to the saving knowledge of Christ or, you know, be born again or anything like that. But then you let one person that, that God uses at just the right moment and they surrender and they're born again. I can't explain it. it, it I think that's probably one of the most confusing things about salvation that sort of gets to me. It's like, you know, they hear the same message, but yes, yeah, it's just not the right time. And so I, I, can't, I can't understand sometimes, but that's, that's not for me to understand. You know why? Because if salvation was for me to get glory, then I'd be concerned about it. And it, should, it should bug me to death, you know. But it's not. It's God's. It's on Him. And so, you know what? If He's getting glory for it, <laughs> I, don't care who, I don't care if it takes you 20 years to get saved, to, to be born again. I really don't care. I just want you born again. I don't want you burning hell, you know, separated... And forfeited every chance and opportunity to know Jesus Christ and to, to miss out on a relationship. Man, it is fun. I'm telling you, being saved and having a relationship with Jesus Christ and being born again, it is fun. And it's continuing. I mean, I'm, I'm not like baby Hallie, but I, I feel like a 15 or 16-year-old, to be honest with you, in my faith. Even though I, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just young in my faith. And I, I feel like I'll keep growing and keep growing. Well, probably, maybe not like a teenager, probably more like a maybe like a twenty-something-year-old kid. You know, even though twenty-year-olds aren't necessarily kids. But I love this statement that um, everyone who, who who believes can have eternal life. Notice Jesus didn't say not everyone who achieves, not everyone who succeeds. And not everyone who agrees, but everyone who believes can have eternal life. Now I'm going to back up, and I hope I can get this scripture back up here. Because I told you it was at the end, so we're almost home. You're about there at lunchtime. Just hang on to me. Hang on for just a minute. All right. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Praying and meditating on that 
it wasn't given to me till yesterday because something that that scripture when I kept reading it over and over again I just I'm like okay I know I can't explain it because I don't know where the wind comes from I, I don't know where it comes from I can't see the wind right I can I can see the effects of the wind and I don't know where it's going But I can see the effect of it, right? Becky and I, we, we walk a couple miles every morning. We, it's sort of our time to, you know, uh, get our day started with one another. And we'll, we'll, we'll pray and we'll talk and we'll pray a little bit more and we'll talk a lot. And, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a sweet time. This morning we were walking and there was absolutely no breeze at all. I mean, it was just dead still. I mean, it was just very peaceful and so if I go out here and I tell you that I'm born again think about the wind for just a moment if we if I take each one of you out here and just like this morning we go out here and there's no wind at all leaves aren't blowing you don't feel it on your face but I go out here and I tell you Man, it's breezy out here. Man, you feel that refreshing breeze? Y'all gonna think I'm crazy, right? You're gonna think Marston lost his mind. Well, likewise, if we go outside and the wind's blowing, you can feel it. You know, by the time we got back on our walk, it was a nice, cool breeze hitting us in the face. Leaves were blowing. Still very peaceful. It was kind of refreshing. I can tell you it was windy, right? Well, that's the way our lives, as believers, as born-again believers, that's your life. That is your life. Here's the illustration. Here's the part. Is if you go and you tell people, hey, I'm born again, but, there's, but they don't see the effect of Christ in your life, then guess what? The title of the message was just wet living. Then that's about like my friend Todd. You just got wet. You ain't born again. If your language doesn't change, if your thoughts don't change, if your walk doesn't change, and your food doesn't change, and you never have a desire to feed on the Word of God, the Spirit, the effect of the Spirit is probably not on your life, folks. It ain't rocket science. The cool thing I think that God allows us to do is this. Is, as as born-again believers, he says, hey, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The cool thing is this, is you get to allow the Holy Spirit that resides in you to teach other babes in Christ where the food's at, to eat the food, change your thought pattern, change your walk, your thoughts, those things. Think about that. See, for me, that's being born again. And I don't, I'm not saying we've dumbed down salvation by just accepting Jesus Christ. But I think there's a part of us that has a responsibility to, hey, you know, God's done his work in salvation. He's died. That's a done deal. Once we're born again, the responsibility we have Holy Spirit. Responsibility relies on us to say, okay, 
there's something more to life than this. And I need to feed on the word of God. I need to walk in a worthy, a manner that is worthy of the Lord. And it's the calling that's on my life. My, my talk needs to be wholesome talk and that kind of stuff. People ought to see the effect. Just like the wind, people ought to be able to see the effect of Christ in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace today. We thank you for your word that is so true. God, I thank you that you have made a way for us to be born again. And God, that we can truly be transformed um, by the renewing of our mind in your word. So God, today I know there are a lot of people here in this room. And I know there are some people here that don't know you as Lord and Savior that have never been born again. And I pray today will be the day of salvation. And God, I thank you for those of us who are believers, Lord, that we have the opportunity, Lord, to tell beggars where the food's at, and that's in you. And so, God, do the work that only you can do in each one of our lives. Lord, thank you for the people that you've allowed us to have in our lives that we can impact for you. And God, I thank you for being so faithful in Jesus' name. Amen.